Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. Hey, good morning, everybody. So glad to see your smiling faces on this beautiful Sunday morning. Grateful that you would join us here today in worship, as well as those of you who are joining us online. We say welcome, and these aren't just formalities for us. We really are glad that you're here, and so thanks for being a part of our church. Before I dive into the message this morning, I just want to mention a couple of things. One is, on your way in the doors today, right outside these two center doors are tables where you can sign up for men of iron small groups, sisterhood small groups, regular small groups, sermon-based small groups, classes, divorce care, grief share. I mean, like you name it, there are so many options out there. And so I would just encourage you before you leave today, make sure that you sign up for a small group. Be in community with others. Some of you are new to our church. The greatest and the fastest way for you to build some relationships with those that you see seated beside you is to join a small group and be part of it. And so I would encourage you to sign up and be a part of that. The next thing I want to do is just say a special thanks to my dad and to Jim Miller and to the crew of people last Sunday. Immediately following service, a crew of people removed everything off of the stage. My dad was here. He's a hardwood floorman. He came up and refinished the floors and Jim Miller helped him and so appreciate all that they did. My parents lived down in Memphis, and they were worshiping with us last Sunday, and this Sunday it looked really good. I was like, hey, why don't y'all just move here, and, uh, and then you can come to church here every Sunday. I did tell them, after multiple days of sitting outside uh, in our front yard this week and the weather being so beautiful, I said, Dad, tell me how many times in Memphis you can sit outside like this at night and not be soaking wet from the heat and the humidity, and he said, you, you've got a point he said, but tell me how many days you can sit out in December uh, and, <laughs> and not have to be layered up. I said, okay, you win. Uh, but anyway, appreciate, appreciated all that they did uh, for that, everyone who was a part of that. Last week, we wrapped up our sermon series called Retold. If you missed any of those messages, we'd encourage you to find us on Facebook or YouTube or go to our website, crosspointwaverly.com, or listen on Spotify and, and catch those messages. Well, how many of you love when a plan comes together, right? When everybody shows up, when they're supposed to show up, when everything shows up, when it's supposed to show up, when all of the preparation and the execution all line up and it just works, when everything just falls into place. I'll just tell you, I love when a plan comes into place. How many of you love the opposite of that, when, when nothing that you do and that plan doesn't come together? Let me see your hands. Yeah, I don't see any of this. Oh, just a couple of you. You're sick, okay? You're sick. Uh, so I hate when a plan doesn't come together. When the product's not delivered on time, when someone dropped the ball with their responsibilities, or no one's getting along, and no matter what you're trying to do to work this plan, it doesn't seem to be working. How many know that God has a plan for my life and he has a plan for your life? 
Right, he does, and he wants us to work that plan. And Paul gives us some instructions in Romans chapter 12 that if we'll live out the plan that God has for us, then everything will, will go as, as planned. And so Romans chapter 12, Paul gives a list of things that are the marks of the true Christians. In fact, uh, at, the, uh, at the, the heading of this passage, verse number nine of Romans chapter 12, for me, my Bible actually indicates that it says marks of the true Christians. So Paul gives these instructions in Romans chapter 12 as to what our lives should look like if our lives are going to go as God has planned. And so we're going to look at some of these words today. I would encourage you to take notes. Those of you who are in a sermon-based small group, you're going to be talking about this this week. And there's so much to talk about in this passage. I'm excited for you. But he gives us these instructions as how we should live as followers of Jesus. And he starts out in Romans chapter 12 and he says, in view of God's mercies, in view of God's mercies, and I thought this week in preparation for this message, that phrase, in view of God's mercies, what would it look like if we evaluated and looked through a number of things in our life through that lens of in view of God's mercies? He goes on to encourage believers to offer themselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. It's not going to appear on the screen, but this is what he says. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. What he's saying is in view of what Christ has done for us, in view of God's mercies, really the only response as a human being should be, God, in view of what you've done for me, I offer myself as a living sacrifice to you, holy and pleasing. Holiness is God's standard for us. Throughout the Bible, we see that God has a standard for those who are his children, and that standard is holiness. And in verse number two, he says, don't be conformed by the world, but be transformed. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. And I've shared this uh, with the church before, and I just feel like it's worth sharing again as we look at this passage. I grew up going to church. And I grew up going to a church that intentionally or unintentionally, every time I left on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday night, I thought for sure that I was doomed to hell. Honestly, like I was a good kid, but every single Sunday and every single Wednesday, I left church feeling like I would never make it to heaven. I left with this constant assurance that God would never love me or accept me because I wasn't perfect. And I think culturally, the church has shifted to an opposite extreme, which is I'll just pray this prayer I'll confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and then after I do that, then I can do whatever I want to, and I'm still going to be good. And I'll just tell you this morning that I don't think either one of those extremes are accurate or healthy, because when the pendulum swings to this side over here, it leaves someone living in constant condemnation and shame. And it cheapens the grace of God in our lives. Like, and so I just want to propose to you, if you grew up in that type of background, to realize this morning that God's grace is bigger than you think it is. God's grace is bigger than you think it is. And before you think that I'm giving you a license to do whatever you want to over here, that's not what I'm saying. Instead, as we look at the instructions from Paul in Romans chapter 12, and as we look throughout the entire Bible, God has a standard for those who are followers of him, and that standard is holiness. 
That standard is holiness. That's how he wants us to live. And so when we find ourselves in the middle of I'm not perfect over here, and I'll never be perfect. The only person who was ever perfect was Jesus. He's the only one that lived a sinless life. And then you come to this extreme over here, and you realize, you know what? This is not God's plan for me. It's not just so that I can say a prayer and think that I'll get a get out of hell free, you know, because I said the prayer. In fact, as we look at the instructions of Paul, Paul says to not be conformed to the world, but be transformed. That's what God desires for each of us, is that we would be transformed, not conformed to the world. And so where do we find ourselves knowing that we'll never measure up to to complete sinlessness, right? We'll never be perfect. What happens in the meantime? Well, here's what I believe happens in the meantime, that we recognize that God's grace is big enough on the path to sanctification, right? On this path, the goal that, and the standard that God has set for, the standard that God has set for us is holiness. That should be our goal as followers of Jesus. In fact, as this verse continues, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and watch this, what is good and acceptable and perfect. What is good and acceptable and perfect. And so, uh, again, that standard of holiness that God has for us. So in the meantime, we have his grace. The first, uh, as we strive in, as we look at this, we strive for holiness, and then on that journey, the sanctification of God's grace is amazing. And so we live out the words of verse number two. We don't continue to be conformed to the patterns of this world, but instead we're transformed. Jesus gave his life so that we could have freedom from sin and experience transformation. And so Paul continues this chapter with encouraging people to think rightly about themselves, to not think too highly of themselves, to have a realistic view. And he says that some of you are going to have, he goes on to say, some of you are going to have these different types of gifts, and it's not a competition, right? If you have this gift, if you have that gift, it's not a competition. Instead, because we're all on the same team, we're the same body. We don't compete with one another, we complete one another. Without each part, the body can't operate as it's supposed to. And so if we're all the same body, then we have to be united together. Unity is not optional. Why don't you say that with me? You can repeat after me. Say, unity is not optional. optional. Oh, that sounds so good. Let's say it again. Unity is not optional. One more time. Oh, it's so good. That's what Paul says. Unity is not optional. In fact, here's what the Bible tells us. I don't know the exact verse. You'll just have to Google it. Take my word for it today, and I can Google it after service if you want proof for it. But here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that the unity of believers is actually a declaration to the world that there is a God. Because when you think about the diversity of people in this room, even in this small segment of the Capital C Church in Waverly, Iowa today, when you take the diversity of this room and think that somehow with all of the backgrounds that we have, with everything, that that we could come together in unity in this place to glorify God, it declares to the world that there's a God. So Paul says... That unity is not optional. We have to work together. We have to be together. And he says, whatever gift you've been given, it's God who has assigned it and use it. And so we have different functions, but our differences don't make us any better or any worse than the other because, again, we each contribute. When we accept this, then we're released from jealousy. And when we accept this, then we can find fulfillment in using the gift that God has given to us rather than desiring the gift that he's given to somebody else. 
And so we pick up today in verse number nine of Romans chapter 12. You can read along on the screen. And in the following verses, he's going to outline and list the marks of a true Christian. And I'll just tell you, there's a, there's a lot here. And so as I read this out loud, maybe what I'd like for you to do this morning is if there are a couple of these that you're like, my life is not in alignment to this. And I want to have the marks of a true Christian. I would encourage you to meditate on that, and then we'll dive in uh, to each of these individually later in the message. But verse number nine, let love be genuine. Abhor what's evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. But leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not, overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you so much for your word and for the power that it has to transform our lives. We ask that over the next few moments that we would sense a demonstration of your spirit's power. Would you open up our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and our minds to understand what you would have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul already lays out the context of this passage of how we live out our faith as followers of Jesus. And we live out our faith as followers of Jesus in the context of community. We live it out in the context of community. It's together with others. And it's in connections with others who have the same similar or very different gifts than, than you, but all functioning together in unity. As we read these different marks or characteristics, it's, it can seem heavy to carry. And I'm aware that for some of you this morning, as we break down some of these, it might be overwhelming. And again, I just go back to uh, listen to, to this list. And if there are a couple of them that you need to work on, then ask the Holy Spirit to help you in that. This week in your sermon-based small groups, you're going to be talking about these even more. I'm excited for you to do that. So as we read some of these verses and we look at the list that Paul has here, I'm sure that for some of us we're like, okay, I've got that. That one's easy. I could do that one in my sleep. And, uh, and, and maybe for some of you, you're like, I don't even know what that is. Like, what does that mean? And for some of you, it might even seem impossible. And again, I come back to this idea that the goal is holiness. The goal is living at the standard that God has set for us, and Christ is enough. He's enough. And I don't want you to think this morning that I'm not saying that Christ isn't enough. Christ is enough. But in, in his design and in his beauty, he has designed us to live in community with one another. And so in it, we get to share the load. We can help each other. And so as we look at this list, it may seem heavy, heavy, and so I just want you to imagine with me if I had a bar, barbell set up here this morning with weights on both sides completely maxed out. 
right? And I'll just tell you, I can stand here and quote all day, all things are possible, you know, through Christ who loves me, right? But I ain't, I ain't lifting that bar with all of those weights on there. Now, Big Mike, he might be able to lift that straight up off of there, you know? In fact, I know he could. You know, he's like, I got this, right? And so he'd be able to lift it up. And I'm just telling you, even if I trained for decades, if I trained for decades, I'm, I'm not going to be able to lift that up because at that point, I'll be too old to try to lift that much weight. Right, I don't, I don't stand a chance. But all of these things in this passage, if you view this passage as a barbell, not all of these things are heavy all the time. And so as you look at this list, again, some of them are lighter than others, and, and for some they're going to be harder. And, and so let's just look at the list together. Verse number nine starts off, Paul saying, let love be genuine. Our love for God and our love for others needs to be authentic. Love is the fuel that everything else runs on. And when we fill up with the love of God, then it overflows for others. Without blood, the body wouldn't function. And, and here's what I propose to you this morning. Love is the thing flowing through each part of us and each extremity that's keeping us alive and moving. The next exhortation that Paul gives is to abhor what's evil. Abhor what's evil, and this can be a struggle, and Paul recognizes this frustration in a different passage when he says, the things that I want to do, I don't, and the things that I, the things that I shouldn't do, I do. And when we live connected to the body and community, then our sensitivity towards evil increases. Our hearts get softer and our ears get more in tune to the Holy Spirit. Someone once said, love is not genuine when it leads a person to do something evil or to avoid doing what is right as defined by God in his word. We're to love fiercely and we're instructed to abhor evil. The next exhortation is to hold fast to what is good. To hold fast to what is good. We live in a backwards world right now that would encourage us to do the opposite. It seems like these days we're encouraged to hate what is good and to cling what is, to, to what is evil. But Paul says, cling to the things that are good, that are pleasing to God. In verse number 10, to love one another with brotherly affection. Here we see this important word of love again. In verse number 10 continues, outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. One of the things, one of the reasons why I talked about the group of people this morning and my dad and Jim Miller is just to express honor. Right, to say, you all took time out of your week today to do something that uh, was so amazing, and we just want to honor people uh, for doing that. I've never been big on titles, and so I'll just tell you that for some of you call me Jonathan, and that's completely appropriate and great, and you don't need to change that. Like, uh, and so what I'm saying right now is not for you to change your behaviors in this. Here's what I know. Some of you can call me Jonathan, and it be more respectful than calling me Pastor Jonathan. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, sometimes with that tone and a voice, Pastor Jonathan can be just as disrespectful, right? And so, uh, so I've, we're not big on titles, but one of the things that I love to do is when there are some younger ministers outside of our church that will call me and they'll address me as Pastor Jonathan. Do you know what I immediately do to them? They say, hey, Pastor Jonathan, and I go, hey, Pastor Tyler. And I'm just telling you, the silence on the other end is hilarious because it shocks them every time. 
Like it's natural for them to express honor to someone who's older than them, but for someone older than them to express the honor back to them shocks them every time. And I just, I love doing that. And so Paul says, outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. Another way we can do this is by trying to outdo one another in showing respect. I've talked about frequently how I love that the older generation in our church leverages their influence for the next generation. In fact, there was a a man who would be part of that older generation standing out in the hallway with me this morning who just said, look at all the young people that are at the church today. Like that doesn't happen if the older generation doesn't leverage their influence for the younger generation. And so I say thank you and I hope that in return that the older generation feels respected and honored and valued by the younger generation. Paul goes on in verse number 11, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. In other words, don't lose your passion for God. Don't lose your zeal for God. Don't be half-hearted in your relationship with God. Don't grow weary in doing good, and don't let your relationship with God grow distant or cold. Be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. The next verse starts with this phrase that seems easier than the next two. He says, rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. It's easy to rejoice in hope. Romans chapter five, verse two, Paul says, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 13, Paul lists the three major attributes of uh, of faith, hope, and love. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And so true believers, the marks of the true Christian is to rejoice in hope. And I don't know about you, but the next one, in my opinion, Paul could have left off. Right? He could have left it off of, uh, you know, why in the world do I need to be patient in tribulation? I mean, who does that? Be patient in tribulation. How hard it is to be patient in adversity and affliction and tribulation. Paul knew that for believers, tribulation was certain. And the word be patient means to maintain one's belief or course of action in the face of opposition. That is to stand one's ground, to hold out, or to endure. I love this. The word be patient means to maintain one's belief or course of action in the face of opposition. That is to stand one's ground, to hold out, or to endure. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and how the king wanted them to bow down to this golden image that they had set up. And, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, we're not going to bow down to your image, right? And the threat was that they would be thrown into the fiery furnace, which they were. Spoiler alert, they were saved. But here's the deal. Like, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, our God is able to deliver us, but even if he doesn't. Right, even if he doesn't, patient in tribulation means that we are people who recognize that our God is able. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to doubt his goodness. We're not going to doubt his greatness as God. Instead, we're going to maintain our beliefs in him. Verse number 12 wraps up with this exhortation to remain faithful in prayer, to remain faithful in communication to God. Prayer, simply put, is conversing with God, and Paul urges believers to remain faithful in that. In verse 13, to contribute to the needs of the saints and to seek to show hospitality. There are a number of ways that this looks. First, I've, uh, I've seen this with, uh, with some families' health issues over the past month come alongside and help meet the needs of people. 
It's been powerful to see what God has done. And one of the ways that we take care of the financial needs of those in our community is through your generosity of kingdom builders. And so we thank you, we thank you each week for your faithfulness to Todd and your generosity with kingdom builders. And I'm just telling you, every single week we get phone calls of people requesting financial assistance. And it's because of your generosity that we're able to extend hospitality and take care of the needs of those around us. In addition, we get to partner with organizations like Convoy of Hope that do disaster relief and feeding initiatives around the world. This year, we've already given over $40,000 to them. For those of you who are like, what is Kingdom Builders? Kingdom Builders is our funding strategy for global missions, local church expansion, and future Christian leaders. And you can read all about it on our website. Showing hospitality is about more than opening your home to family and friends. It's the idea of opening your home to a stranger. I've had the opportunity to travel to a number of different countries. My wife and I have lived overseas for a season of our life. And I'll just tell you that hospitality in a different country looks very different than hospitality here. Like it is unreal the experiences that we've had in different countries of being complete strangers and people welcoming us into their house. My kids used to love it when we lived in India to go to someone's house because they would give them a bottle of Coke. I mean, they would send for somebody to go get some Coke. And so when they would come back in, and my kids just loved it, the level of hospitality that you experience overseas is amazing to complete strangers. I've experienced this in the U.S. as well. A hundred years ago when I was a teenager, uh, we, we were going to camp in Florida, and our bus broke down at two o'clock in the morning. We were literally in the middle of nowhere. I don't even know what state we were in except for lost. And, uh, and we're at this gas station, and somebody drives by, sees this busload of teenagers at the gas station, and they call their pastor. And they say, this group of people who are complete strangers to us, their bus broke down and they don't have anywhere to go or anything to do. And the pastor shows up at two o'clock in the morning in his suit and tie. Y'all, I'm just telling you, you want to see me in a suit and tie, get married or get buried. Those are the only two times that you're going to see me in a suit and tie. And this man at 2 o'clock in the morning shows up in a suit and tie. At 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to show up in jogging pants and a T-shirt. They shuttle us over to their church. We're able to sleep on the floor of the church there that night. And in the morning, this group of people came in and fixed us the best breakfast that we were going to have all week. Y'all, that's hospitality to strangers. And that's what Paul is urging us as a true Christian, a mark of a true Christian. Right, this next verse, verse number 14, seems like we're on some kind of prank reality TV show where all of a sudden somebody's gonna jump out of us and be like, just kidding. You know, verse number 14 says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. And I told you, some of these were gonna be easier to carry than others. And these words are similar to Jesus's words of love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It's one thing to not curse your enemy and entirely another to bless them. This one's easier said than done, but it's an attribute of a true believer. The next verse, unfortunately, often gets inverted. Verse number 15, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. As followers of Jesus, it's important that we live this out and not flip it to mourn with those who rejoice and rejoice with those who mourn. Remember, we're a body. 
And so if one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part is honored, then every part rejoices with it. And sometimes it's easier to be sympathetic with those who are mourning than to rejoice over others' success. Paul knew that sometimes envy and jealousy could emerge. In verse number 16, he says, live in harmony with one another. Live in harmony with one another. What Paul is saying is live in agreement with one another. And the obvious thing that he's addressing there is that these are very different people, all part of the body of Christ making up this body. And I'll just tell you, I don't know how to play the piano. There are 88 keys on it. I thought there were 86 till I Googled it, and it said 88. So fortunately, I got it right in first service, and there are 88. And oh, Drew, you're amazing. He's, he even has it turned on for me. This is dangerous. I have not taken any lessons at the School of Arts. By the way, nearly 80 students signed up for Cross Point School of Arts already. <laughs> Pastor Fisher is killing it with that. But here's, here's what can happen is if you just walk up to the keyboard and just start striking random notes on this, these notes are not in harmony together and they do not sound pleasing. In fact, some of you already are like, would you please stop? Right, and, and here's what I believe happens when the church isn't in unity and in harmony to one another. We can talk about the love of God all day long. We can talk about how great the church is, but this is all people outside the church are gonna hear about the church when we're not living in harmony together. And so I know that if I hit this note and this note and this note, that it makes a chord. And for those of you who are gonna start piano lessons, that makes the G chord. Some of you are already whispering to your mama, saying that's a G chord, mama. No, it's not, it's a C chord. That's the G chord. See, I can see it. I knew something was off. I can see it, Annabelle, right there. I can see when I said that that was a, yes, I can see this is a G chord, that's a C chord, that's a D chord. So do you see how when I hit those, my wife is like, would you please move on? I'm not going to. Instead, I'm going to ask Pastor Levinsky to come up here. Oh, that's the wrong notes. I should have stopped. Come on. Come on. Right? But when we hit all these notes together, the right time and the right moment, it creates harmony. He's about to play something that's going to be so much prettier to demonstrate that harmony. I'm going to land this plane. When the notes are in harmony, it makes that beautiful sound. And this is what God desires for his body, the church, for us to live in harmony. So he goes on to say, do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. In order to live in harmony, you're going to have to not think too highly of yourself. The body interacts with all the parts. So to live in harmony, you have to be willing to associate with people who are in a low position and those that you would associate to be in a high position. And in verse number 17, it's another verse that you're like, why does this have to be here? Paul says, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. It's similar to a few verses before of bless those who persecute you. And this goes against our human nature because our nature wants to fire back. Our nature wants to hit back and to return fire. And Paul says, don't do that. In verse 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. For if we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. 
First Peter chapter 2, verse 12, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. In First Peter 2, 15, for this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. 1 Peter 3.16, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. This next verse, verse number 19, really indicates whether or not we truly trust God. It says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. We have to trust that God will take care of us and those who've wronged us. In verse 20, to the contrary, he says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will reap, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Not only are we to not avenge ourselves, we are to do positive good for our enemies. And I said at the beginning of this message that this list could seem heavy. And when I think about a, a weightlifting gym, I don't think about them often, but when I think about them, I know that there are bars and weights. And there are stacks of weights positioned at different places of the gym, and never have I gone into a gym and seen all of those weights loaded up all at the same time. And the reality is, is that living this life out, living this godly life, a life of holiness, is heavy. But in God's design, there are some weights that are over there that he's never asked us to pick up. Right? And so we never have to carry those. We never have to pick them up. In addition to that, when we become a follower of Jesus, when we confess our sins to him, the weight of sin is lifted off of us. So we're no longer carrying the weights that he never meant us to carry. We're never carrying the weights, uh, the weight of sin because he's forgiven us. And now the weights that remain, God is enough. And in addition to that, we get to live in community. Again, not all of these weights are heavy all at the same time. And there are others that we can invite to help us carry those weights, to lift those weights. The Holy Spirit helps us and he gives us strength. This past week, Pastor Dan shared the story with me of a man in our church who's, whose parents don't go to our church, but both of their healths are failing. And he said, Pastor Dan, I reached out to this person in my small group and this person in my small group and this person in my small group because I just know that this season is too heavy. I can't carry it alone and I need people in my life to help me. It's beautiful. He's asked some people to help carry the weight. I know that when I went to the gym and I wanted to see how much I could bench press, there was never a time when I was there by myself where I thought, you know what, I'm going to load it up as heavy as possible and by myself lift it up. For two reasons. Number one, if I accomplished it, I don't want to be the only one who knows about it. I want there to be a witness. Secondly, if I'm not able to get it completely lifted back up again, I don't want the weight to crush me. And so the only time that I'm going to max out and see how far I can stretch my limits is if I have somebody there as a spotter. 
Somebody that if I begin to fall and I begin to fail, says, I got you. I'm not going to let you get crushed. Come on, keep pushing, keep striving, keep trying. The goal is holiness. God's going to help you get there. How many know what I'm talking about this morning? And so this week, small groups launch back up, and some of you are carrying some heavy stuff right now. Don't let it crush you. Be part of a community. Join a group that can help carry the weight. There's some of you who are just facing stuff. And then on top of that, you're looking at this list and you're like, God, I want to measure up and invite people to help you. Now close on a happy note. There are some of you who are not struggling right now. You are in a season of celebration. And I just want to tell you that in that season of celebration, you need people just as bad as those who are in the midst of a crisis right now. It's so much more fun to experience what you're experiencing in this season in community with people who rejoice with those who rejoice. A number of years ago, I was golfing with my dad and a pastor of a church down in Tennessee and a group of people when we were playing best, best ball. I'm a horrible golfer still. And even back then, if I hit the ball and it went sailing through the air, it was a good day, right? Because otherwise it would just skip across the ground. It's embarrassing. And after all day of chopping and having horrible shots, we get to the final hole and everybody has, we're the last foursome. So they're all watching on the 18th hole. And so I asked Pastor Madison this morning, I said, you know, how many yards for a par five would that typically be? And she said around 5,000. So it's 5,000 yard hole that we had to hit. She said 400. So either way, so I hit up, drive the ball wherever I drove it to, and it was decent. And then on my second shot, I swung and I hit the ball and it actually sailed through the air. It was a miracle. And I already told you, everybody was standing at the 18th hole watching. And they had already seen me hack and chop at all these balls the whole game. And now all of a sudden, with everyone witnessing, I heard this from forever away. Because remember, it's a par five. It went in. It went in. I'm like, what? Y'all, I'm just telling you, for me, that was just as good as a hole-in-one that day. And I would have been happy had I been golfing by myself and experienced that shot. But how much more fun it was to have a group of people witness that. And I'm just telling you, God's doing some incredible things in your life. And the body needs to be able to see that. Those in your small group need to be able to rejoice with those who rejoice. Some of you are mourning. And the body needs to see that so they can mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room? Maybe there are some of you who've come in today and you are overcome by the weight of sin in your life right now. You've never confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you say, today I want to become a follower of him. Maybe there are others of you who at one time walked with God but you've turned your back on him and you say, today I need to see my relationship restored back to him. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, you say, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time. Or you say, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. When I count to three, why don't you slip up your hands all across this room? One, two, three.
two, three, lift them up all across this room. Thank you, one, two. You can put them down. Are there others this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Let's all stand. There were at least two hands that went up this morning of people who need to ask Jesus to come into their life for the very first time or who need to see that relationship restored back to him. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And if you raise your hand, I want you to repeat it after me and meet it with everything that's within you. But know that you won't be praying this prayer alone, but that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I messed up. This morning I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my savior. Be my king. Take over every area. Take over every aspect. And help me from this day forward to live for you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise for what he's done this morning. If you prayed that prayer, we'd ask that you would text the word yes to 319. 319- 2508998 again text the word yes to 3192508998 we want to encourage you along in the decision that you've made today in the journey that God wants to take you on well at the end of our services we leave time for one more worship song for people to worship and then to receive prayer for anything that you want the prayer team's going to join me here at the front of the stage in just a moment the worship team's going to lead us in a song and if you've come here today needing prayer for anything I'd encourage you as they begin to sing to step out of your seats let's pray this morning God we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for what you've done this morning, for the two lives in this room, in this moment, that the weight of sin has been lifted off of them. Lord, we pray that you would help us to meet the standard that you've set of holiness. And we'll thank you that in the meantime, for your grace, that helps us when we don't measure up. And so, Lord, I pray as we consider the list that Paul has given here and as we consider the entire Bible and the the requirements that you have for us and the expectations, that we wouldn't look at these things and say they're too hard and just give up on them, but instead that each day we would work out our salvation, each day we would strive for, for holiness, which is the standard that you have for us. And so God, help us from here, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.